This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel according to Luke 21, Luke 21, 5 through 19. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he, that is Jesus, said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another, all will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the end is near. Do not go after them. When you hear wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. Just pause. It's okay. Might be a horse. You will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. So the other morning I was getting ready to take the kids to school, as is our usual daily routine. And usually I'll have a little bite to eat, kind of a first breakfast before I take them, because I want to have a little coffee for the road, but I don't like coffee on an empty stomach. So I fill my cup up about halfway, again, because I haven't eaten that much yet, so I don't want too much coffee. Also, because I lost the lid to my (laughs) cup. So, you know, if you have it too full, you take that corner and, you know, you've been there. It just kind of sloshes over the edge. But this particular morning, I thought I need a little extra caffeine, so I filled it three quarters full. Very risky. And as I grab my cup and I'm headed for the door, somehow my, I bump something, like something brushes my hand. And I overreacted and let go of the cup. <laughs> and I just saw it falling, hit the floor, coffee everywhere. Now normally, uh, moments like this are not my best moments. <laughs> Someone's laughing extra hard. <laughs> right? I, I tend to overreact to things like this. I get mad at myself, there may be a swear word or two that escapes. Um, But on this particular morning, I I just 
I don't know, maybe I wasn't awake yet, but I just noticed it fell. And I thought, and the cup didn't break, thankfully. So I noticed that cup is empty and I still need coffee. So I just went over, filled it up, not so much this time. And we headed on our way. Of course, we had to get going, so someone else had to clean up the car. <laughs> Sorry. But how we deal with something like spilled coffee, right? Not such a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. But I think part of the question facing us this morning is how do we respond when things go wrong? How do we respond when it seems like things are falling apart? How do we respond? How do we show up when it feels like even the world, the very world, might end? And that's precisely what Jesus is preparing the disciples for in our text today. Now, for a little context, this our reading is happening after Jesus already entered into Jerusalem in the so-called triumphal entry and entering into Holy Week, the week leading up to his arrest and crucifixion. And so he and the disciples are in the temple, and the disciples are admiring the vast structure, impressive certainly then, still impressive today. And Jesus says news for them. He says, you see these stones, not one will be left on another, all will be thrown down. How does Jesus know this is going to happen? It will happen, but he's about 40 years ahead of the game. But it's helpful to remember that the author of Luke's gospel is writing well after these things have happened. right? And so for him, this isn't news. They've already lived through it. Uh, so he's writing after Rome has invaded Jerusalem in 70 of the Common Era. And so it could be, you know, that in a way, Luke's writing is more a reflection of the people who, who are immediately going to read his text, right? His contemporaries, his current community of Jesus' followers, and it may well reflect that perhaps even more than what's happening in the historical moment he's writing about of Jesus to his disciples. And there may well be overlap, but we always have to keep that in mind when reading a text like this. And I think either way, when we read apocalyptic words like this in the scriptures from Jesus, we somehow want to imagine that he's talking about the end of time, like the very end of time, whatever that might be. And so it's helpful to remember that he's talking about events that were not the ultimate end of the world, right? But rather it was the end of the world as they knew it. Because we know that history continued onward, right? Rome would continue to rise and ultimately fall. And Christianity, which began as a small offshoot of Judaism, the small band of disciples, grow and became the largest religion in the world. And so we should always pause when we're reading about when we're reading texts about the so-called end of the world, right? Because although from their view, perhaps it was the end. These texts are almost never talking about something far off in the distant future. Even the book of Revelation is mo mostly about what's happening in that moment with Rome, more so than about the end of human history. But just like then, when things go wrong in our time and in our world, it certainly can feel like the end of the world. 
And so the question might really be, how do we show up when seemingly everything has fallen apart? How do we show up when the well-being and safety of those we care about is under threat? And so these words of Jesus that we read this morning could easily be read this way, with just slight adjustments. Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say that they have done more for me than anyone in history. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, didn't have to change that part, and election deniers, do not be terrified. Nation will rise against nation. There will be great hurricanes, a warming planet, and in various places, famines, loss of ecosystems, even global pandemics. And there will be immigrants turned away at the border and refugees denied shelter. But do not be terrified. You may resist and protest and they may arrest you and persecute you. They may hand you over to the authorities. This will give you an opportunity to testify. And I will give you words and wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You'll be betrayed even by parents and siblings, by relatives and friends. You'll be hated because of my name and your desire to live out my ways of love, equity, and peace. Well, notice that amidst all those words of bad things happening, both in the original text we read and in that slight adjustment, and in both cases, Jesus says, you will, this will give you an opportunity. This will give you an opportunity. An opportunity for what? He says, an opportunity to testify. But what does that mean? Well, testify also means to bear witness. To bear witness. In other words, this will give you an opportunity to bear witness to another way. And we do that by our words, of course, but also by our actions and how we live our lives. There's a small Episcopal church in Edgerton, Massachusetts, named St. Andrews. Similar size, actually, to our congregation here at Holland UCC. And they were trying to figure out how to focus their time and energy and how to make a difference. Turns out they were actually using the same consultant we're using as they navigated that process. Our friend Greg, who I got to see Friday. Incidentally, and one of the things that they discovered in this process of kind of figuring out how to use their gifts and their energy was that they uh, had a passion for and wanted to make a difference around housing. It was around the lack of affordable housing in their community, but also folks experiencing homelessness. And so they decided, as part of this, to convert their church hall into a shelter, and they equipped it with cots, a large kitchen, showers, even laundry facilities. Well, Edgerton, as some of you may know, is one of six towns that makes up uh, Martha's Vineyard there in Massachusetts. And we tend to think of Martha's Vineyard as a place for the wealthy and famous, and maybe not a whole lot of need there. But locals know that that's not the whole story, because a lot of those folks are only there in the summer and in the nice weather. But in the off-season, many people struggle. Affordable housing is hard to come by, and folks working seasonal jobs can't always afford to make ends meet. And so this was very needed work that they were doing, this ministry. And if you recall, this past September, around 50 Venezuelan migrants were 
sent to Martha's Vineyard by the governor of Florida as a political stunt. I'm just paused to think of the lunacy of that. Human beings, families who are already displaced, who are already trying to figure out their lives amid chaos, are just shipped off to a completely other state for a political stunt. Well, this little church of St. Andrews was prepared. They took in many of these folks, gave them a place to stay, gave them warm meals while they figured out what was next. And other churches and other community members also sent along food, clothing, and, and other items that could be of need. And a local pastor said, because they're sort of a geographically isolated community up in the northeast on this island, year-round residents, they've learned to take care of each other. And she said, the people who sent those planes probably weren't prepared for the reaction that we gave. They didn't understand how our community operated or that we would even be in a position to be prepared for this. But for us, hospitality matters. And the Republican governor of Massachusetts praised the work done by these local church folks. And so while some were wanting to use these people as pawns in a political drama, this little church and those around them said, no. These are human beings made in God's image. And we as followers of Jesus are taught to welcome the stranger. And so when cruelty is passed off as the way of faith, it is up to us to show up and say no and bear witness to the way of love. When lies are passed off as truth, it is us to, up to us to testify and say no, the truth does matter. When people are dehumanized because of their country of origin, their language, their skin color, their orientation, gender identity, or for any other reason, it is up to us to show up ready to welcome and ready to love. When the U.S. evacuated Afghanistan last year and families were sent to refugee camps, this little church and many others in our area said, we want to help. and took in a family that had been displaced and walked alongside them and showed them love and helped them begin to put their own roots in a brand new place. When our city was debating whether to pass a non-discrimination ordinance that made it illegal to discriminate against people based on their sexual orientation, gender identity, or physical abilities, folks in this community wrote letters to members of City Hall, marched and spoke their hearts out at hearings about this very issue. And they said, we want to be a community where everyone feels safe, where everyone is seen and valued and loved and welcomed as a full member of this community. And when families were being separated at the border and children put in cages, this church and many other churches in our area came together and said, no, families belong together. Given the current climate crisis, I know many of you have taken steps to learn what you can do to mitigate your own <coughs> carbon footprint and advocate for legislation to move us on a more sustainable path. And on this front, it isn't an overstatement to say it feels like the world might be ending.
And so how we show up matters. Doesn't mean we'll have all the answers. Doesn't even mean that we'll always know what to do. But as it says on the cover of your bulletin, as Brene Brown put it, sometimes the bravest, the most important thing you can do is just show up. And that may well make all the difference. Amen. Maybe so. invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.